got caught up there. Let me get this out of my way. I don't know if I'll get to my message. There's just a lot stirring in me. People have asked me, what have I been doing for the last five years? I've been in a quiet place, or some people would call a hidden place, before the Lord. I've had opportunities to minister with the Free Methodist. I've had opportunities to minister uh, with the Evangelical Friends denomination. Every time I get ready to approach an offer, the Lord would say, wait, and wait, and wait. And this is the place he had been waiting for me. This was the place he had me to come to. What a privilege and an honor. For those of you who have never been in full-time ministry, at least for me, it's a great awesome responsibility that you are opening your hearts to me. And for you to be able to receive me and my family, what a gift that is to us. I do not take it lightly as I come here to be your pastor and our family to be with you as we journey on this pilgrimage together in faith. What an awesome responsibility. It just moves my heart to know that I have to take such great care and take it purposely what I do and to do it well, not only before you, but before our Lord and Savior. Amen? I do not take it lightly. That being said, I know my wife Elizabeth, my daughters Evangelina and Rachel, they're watching right now on Facebook. So good morning to you in Kansas City. I love you. I miss you. I'll be back to get you next Monday. Get ready for the drive because it's going to be a haul. I just want to take a moment to thank a few people. And I'm obviously thanking all of you as well. But I want to thank Brian and Joe and Dave for being there Wednesday with me to unload that truck. You guys were gamers. You hopped in. We had a good time. I think we did it in almost maybe an hour. Was it two hours? I don't even know. It was quick, quicker than I thought it would be. But at least it was downhill, then up steps, then down steps, then up steps. <laughs> but we got it done. And I thank you for that. I want to thank uh, Patty for the gift basket she had uh, lovingly put into Parsonage and Man, that, that got me through the first two mornings, you know, the donuts and the crackers and everything, because I had nothing. I want to thank Susie for this bulletin this morning, uh, our secretary. Uh, if you're wondering why there's antlers and a fish and a mountain on there, if you heard in the video that was presented to you folks, then I'm an outdoorsman. And she was just trying to welcome me and, and make it a little personal. I thank Susie for that. And again, lastly, I want to thank all of you for all your love, your support, your prayers. Because I know this wasn't an easy road you've been hoeing. 
you know, you, you had two candidates come before you and you had to prayerfully accept a pastor. So I thank you for your encouragement and your support and your loving arms as you brought me in. Before I get into my main thrust of my sermon, I'm going to open with some other scripture. There's not a slide for this, so bear with me, all right? It comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, verse 19. I want you to hear the, ver- the prophetic voice of the Lord. He says this, Behold, I'm about to do something new. Even now it's coming. Do you see it? Indeed, I will make a way into the wilderness, and the streams there will be in the desert. Do you see the imagery, beloved? Rivers in dry wasteland. Rivers in the desert where they didn't belong. He made a way. Beloved, in context, God is promising that he would make Israel's captors, Babylon, into captives, the Lord, the Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel would deliver Israel from Babylon. This is what's going on in Isaiah. Then in Isaiah 43, 16 through 17, it says, God compares Israel's deliverance from Babylon to their prior exodus from Egypt when God had made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters. The Lord promises He will do it. And he will do a new thing. He's bringing a deliverer. Indeed, I will make a way in the wilderness and the streams in the desert. I'll provide waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people. And the result is this. The people I formed for myself will declare my praise. He's creating a people, beloved. He created a people then, and also he's wanting to create a people now that will be transformed into a spirit of his likeness that will declare him God and bring praise unto him. Just as God provided a way through the Red Sea during Israel's exodus from Egypt, so he will provide streams again in the desert for them on their return from the exile of Babylon. The Lord would provide all they needed to leave Babylon and reestablish their home in the promised land. Even when there appears to be no way, God prepares a way. God makes a way for those who trust Him. The way would be miraculous as streams in the desert. I want you to think what you just went through for the last couple years or year coming out of the United Methodist Church. At first, it didn't even seem a way. It seemed difficult, it seemed daunting, hard, tumultuous, a lot of bad information. For those of you who have been in it from the beginning, like myself, I was in it from the very beginning to the first Prairie Wesleyan Covenant Association meeting held in Chicago. I was there. And even then, there were rumors, there were lies perpetrated against those of us who were discussing a possible new way forward. Lies opposed by those who didn't want to see our departure. 
As you know, beloved, you felt it even here in this local community. You probably have lost friends. I've heard Sue speak about it. I heard you share about it last week with Pastor Floyd leaving. We have lost dear ones in our own congregations over the choice we've had to make. We've lost members and congregants in our local churches. We've even had to pay huge ransoms for our freedom. And the truth is, beloved, is this. In battle, in conflict, there's always going to be loss. But out of that loss will become our freedom. And here we stand. It's kind of ironic that Fourth of July is on our heels this Tuesday. And we're talking about our church's freedom and what we've just come into. Can you see that God has made a way? Do you feel it? Something exciting, something new. And here we are. Yesterday was technically the first day you became a global United Methodist denomination. A new expression of Methodism. Some things will change. And like Dave said, I think most things will probably almost stay the same. Some little changes here and there. But we have the opportunity to move forward in this new expression of faith in our communities and around the families who surround us. Grace Hopper, I don't know if you ever heard of her. Grace Hopper was a lady in the U.S. Navy. She actually uh, created what was called COBOL. Any IT people in here, computer people? She was the very first mathematic person to create COBOL. And she's the first woman ever to be a rare admiral in the Navy. She's quoted as saying this. The most dangerous phrase in all of language is we've always done it this way. <laughs> well, beloved, I'm not going to make huge sweeping changes. But all I really want to do as your pastor, I want to see what you're doing and let's do it excellent. That's my type of change. When I was in missions work, I had a a family I became very close to. And, this, and the mother of this family, her name was Lisa Snydecky. And we would talk about this word excellence. And I'm like, well, what's your definition of excellence? I always hear her talking to her children about excellence. And she says, doing what you're doing now well, but doing it better. Wow, that's kind of raising the bar there. And I think that's what we need to do as a church. If we could just do what we're doing now, even better. <clears throat> will be successful. Amen? All right. You know what? I forgot to turn my timer on, folks. <laughs> well, I have a stopping point on my paper, just so you know, and I won't try to abuse you. Next week will be different. My opening scriptures this morning come out of the book of Samson, or book of Samson, book of Judges, chapter 13, verses 1 through 7, and in chapter 16, 17 through 21. This is the reading of the word for the people of God. 
again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. A certain man named Zorah named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was childless and unable to give birth. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, You are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink, and that you do not eat anything unclean. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite, dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Then the woman went to her husband and told him, A man of God came to me, and he looked like an angel. Very awesome. I didn't ask him where he came from, and he didn't tell me his name. But he said to me, You will become pregnant and have a son. Now then, drink no wine or other fermented drink. Do not eat anything unclean, because the boy will be a Nazarite from God from the womb until the day of his death. Now, verse, uh, chapter 16, verses 17, 21, is where we find the story of Samson and Delilah. And he says this, starting in verse 17. So he told her everything. No razor has been used on my head, he said, because I've been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she went, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back once more. He has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. After putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair. <clears throat> of his hair. So he began to subdue him, and his strength left him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He woke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to, the Gaza, down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They set him to the grinding grain in the prison. But the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. For this is the word of God for the people of God. Praise be to God. <clears throat> Beloved, Samson was the man of God who had lost the spirit of God and he did not realize it. And as we engage in Samson's story this morning, it's not almost until the final end of Sam, at Samson's life does he then rediscover the Spirit of God. And it's simply this, beloved. What happened to Samson could happen to any one of us. We can become so spiritually insensitive that we may even not even recognize God isn't necessarily with us. We can do it out of our own strength and out of our own arrogance. And we can fool ourselves into thinking it's God with us and it's not. 
none of us are void of this problem. And beloved, it's a terrible problem to be so, again, be so spiritually insensitive, insensitive and not to recognize when the Spirit of God is not with us. Samson was the man who had everything going for him and simply to almost throw it all away. No man could have had a better start at life. No man had more equipment, more blessing than he did. And it nearly almost ends all in disaster. Now I'd like us to look at uh, three points. Pastor Floyd told me last week, have three points. So I have three points, two sub-points, and three more points. All right? So let's look at these three points together quickly, and then we'll flesh them out one by one. The first point I want to look at is to look at his strength and the secret of it. Secondly, to look at his weakness and why his anointing or his power drained away. What was that plug hole in his life? And thirdly, to look at his magnificent final end the triumph of his life, which I like to call his strength and weakness. When God can give a man his strength and weakness, then God really has someone he can do something with, beloved. Catch that. When God has a man who has his strength and his weakness, then God has someone he can use. So who was Samson? Why did God raise up such a man as Samson in this hour of history? When you hear that name of Samson, what is the image that comes up to you? What does he look like to you? What do you think of? Is he that Mr. Universe kind of guy? Kind of like Arnold Schwarzenegger? He has the big rippling muscles, strong, intimidating, Big stature, broad shoulders, kind of like me. This morning I'd like to suggest maybe something a little bit different to you. And I'll flesh that out throughout my sermon. But I don't think he quite looked like that. And I'll explain why. So again, who was Samson? And why had he been raised up in this hour of history? Samson was raised up, beloved, to be the answer to the national crisis of his day. Did you know that? He was to be a deliverer. He was a judge, you could say. Only when you can see and understand this do you begin to realize the battle that God had to have with Samson. God didn't have to have the battle with the Israelites to get them where he wanted. He had to have the battle with Samson to get him where he needed him to be so that God could then use him to be the answer. So God had some work to do with old Samson. And when we can see and understand that, then we'll get the context of what is going on. So that's the backdrop of our story. Now, many people will say the story has a lot to do with Samson and Delilah and his relationships with these other women. Although those relationships are important or true to this story, they're not the main reason as to what happened to Samson and his failure. It was about God breaking Samson down to become the man he needed him to be and transform him into his likeness 
to make him be that hinge of history to bring forth Israel out of the captivity of the Philistines. Samson had to come to the end of himself and recognize God and not take for granted the gifts that God had given him. Samson would have to die to himself, as we all must do, in order to inherit the spiritual blessings of the Lord that he wants to bestow upon us. So now let's head back to verse 1 of chapter 13 and find out what's going on in Israel. And it says this, Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. Beloved, 40 years. Now, I've never been in captivity. I think a week would be too long. 40 years to be in captivity under enemy occupation. Wow, could you imagine that? And now, one of the great ironies in all of history is this. As God was bringing in Israel from the east... God was also, this is God, God's also bringing in another people group from the west, from Crete, into the coastal plains, to where where they would set up on the Gaza Strip between Gaza and Ashland, five great cities. And these were the Philistine people. Make no mistake about it. God knew what he was doing, and God brought them in. And why would God bring them in? Why would God allow the Philistines to harass Israel? Well, Israel was being disobedient. And God was going to need a people group on the spot to bring correction and discipline to his people. This is why they were brought in. Now, it's interesting if you don't know this. These Philistine people are still with us to this very day in 2023. They have been renamed Palestine, or the Palestinians. And they are still a thorn in their flesh to Israel. Again, now these Philistines built these five great cities on this coastal plain between Ashkelon and Gaza. And they would then go up into the foothills to hopefully overthrow the Israelites. Now these foothills were known as the Shephelah. And in the Shephelah is the place where the boy and eventually the man, Samson, would be born. So this is where the battlefield was, in the Shephelah, the foothills of Samson. I can see my line on the page where to stop, folks. Don't you worry. Have you ever wondered why such people have been brought into your life? Just as God brought in the Philistines for the Israelites to bring correction and discipline to them. God brings people into our lives to do this very same thing, to shape us and to form us, to bring correction. It doesn't feel good, it's rubbing, it's irritating, and it's uncomfortable. But when we can begin to recognize and we step back and say, and we pray, God, what's, why is this going on? What, what, why are they dealing with me the way they are? And allow God to speak to you because he's trying to bring correction. We all need it, beloved. 
We all need it. And that's what's going on here. He's trying to bring correction to his people. But let me say this. When God disciplines his people, such as Israel or even me or you, there's always a limit, though, to his discipline. When God chastises his people, it's only to teach a lesson. And when that lesson's up, then God will send in a deliverer to bring the people out of captivity. When enough is enough, God will relieve that situation. And many times, we'll see this throughout the book of Judges, most of the time he uses a man, one time he uses a woman, and it's Rebecca, to be the deliverer. Here we are, 40 years of decline and enemy occupation, and God is raising up Samson to step into history and become the answer to the national crisis. Now we have that whole context. So let's begin to flesh out point one. Let's look at Samson's strength and the secret of it. Great strength was going to be needed to be the leader of Israel at this time. And now, again, most portrayals of Samson, again, I feel, are a little misleading. I don't believe he was that Mr. Universe kind of guy, that at, man like Atlas carrying the world on his shoulders. I don't believe he had huge rippling muscles. I believe he was a normal man, very inconspicuous, just an average guy. Where's Brian Fortune? Stand up, buddy. You're that average guy. Look at that. Look at that physique. Praise the Lord. Awesome. But only when God can step in and take a normal man and give him extraordinary abilities, then he can do the will of God. Amen? You should have seen him lifting those sofas and those couches. and Blew me away. Amen? Thank you, Brian. Now I got off my mark here. But he was very inconspicuous. Just the average Joe. What's my claim? Why can I say this? Can you imagine Delilah going up to Samson if he looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger and asking, well, what's the secret of your strength? Obviously, it wouldn't make sense, would it? They wouldn't have to ask that question. I think it's because he didn't look intimidating. He didn't look tough. He didn't look strong. Is why they had to keep asking the question, where's the strength coming from? That's why his contemporaries kept coming after him and then coming after Delilah, then Timnah, and these other women. How does he do these things? Again, he didn't look like he was capable of doing them. So they would probe, and they would pester, and they would question, and they would manipulate, and they would threaten until they got the answer to their question. What was the secret of his strength? His strength, beloved, began before he was born. Samson's parents were given supernatural promises before he was born, to how he was to be raised. Again, I just want to take a moment to go back to Scripture, how he was to be raised. Verse 3. 
It says this, the angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, you are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or any other fermented drink and that you do not eat anything unclean. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor. The boy is to be a Nazarite dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead of delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. His parents, beloved, were given these promises. If they raised Samson in such a particular way, he would one day then be able to be that instrument that the Lord would have him to be to deliver them from the hands of the Philistines. So how does his development begin? It begins amongst his family, his relatives, his neighbors, amongst the people in whom he lived. Simply this, beloved, before any of us can do any great exploits, before the Lord, it always starts in our home and amongst those in whom know us. Here at this church, our various small groups, our outreaches, our Sunday school classes, family fellowship times, These are the places where we can, it's a safe place where we can come and grow and mature in the Lord before we can go out to meet the Philistines in battle. These are the places of growth and preparation to ready us for battle. So, beloved, I'm going to stop here this morning. But I want to leave you with this. Just as the man, Samson, beloved, we can't be so short-sighted and so arrogant to think that because we have possible some authority and some strength, we have to remember where it comes from. Not, not to forget, it's not within us. It's only what the Lord bestows upon us. Again, like Samson, we don't want to be that individual walking around and not recognizing the Spirit of God is not with us when we think it is. That's other failure. We need to be humble and stay before the Lord. Amen? Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we come before you, Lord, as just a humble people wanting to declare your praises. Lord, we don't want to be people who are walking around thinking we are more than what we actually are. Father, help us, Lord, if we are that type of person, if I'm that type of person. Help me die to myself, my own self-gratifications. Lord, I just want to be doing what you are doing. Nothing more, nothing less. Help me to be in step with you. To have your vision of what your Heavenly Father is doing. And if I have that, then I have everything. So help us all, Father, I pray. To move in your strength and to do the things you will. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen.
please join me in our closing hymn.